You're listening to Spice Radio's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of the Georgia Strait. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Charlie. I have to say, this Newsweek was a very spicy one. There was a lot happening, so I'm really excited to break down some of these stories with you. And I think one of the biggest stories coming from the world of media is Lisa Laflamme, who was suddenly removed from her new show. We all kind of took it as a surprise, and she put out a video out there saying that she herself was blindsided by the decision that was made. So, Charlie, what do we know so far? Yeah, it's really uh, quite a dramatic development. Um, it'll, it'll we'll see how how it plays out. Uh, CTV is the most watched national newscast, first of all, and she'd been there 35 years. And she, uh, CTV started by putting out an announcement, and I noticed it, and I went, "Wow, she's uh, leaving CTV." Um, she'd been the chief correspondent and senior editor since 2011, replacing Lloyd Robertson. And then, you know, shortly after this CTV announcement, she goes on Twitter and does this live announcement where she declares that she was told on June 29th that her contract was not going to be renewed. She was blindsided by it. Um, she clearly um, wasn't happy with this decision and um, made it clear and, and had... What I found really interesting was there were millions of people watched her social media post, and um, the effect, I think, has been quite damaging on CTV because all of these people have uh, been coming out. She's, she's now at 4.4 million views on her tweet, um, which is almost unheard of in Canada for a single tweet to get 4.4 million views. That's a lot, yeah. And um, so there's a lot of people are saying, give her her job back. Um, she said she was 58. She thought she would have more stories to tell. The um, Her predecessor, Lloyd Robertson, was allowed to work until he was 77, so that's brought forward accusations of sexism um, and, and ageism. Um, particularly against women, and I think it's 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 really upset uh, a lot of people across the country, and particularly women. And it was interesting to see even Ian Hanuman Singh, the CBC anchor, uh, tweeting how he felt that she deserved better than that after 35 years with CTV, just basically being told your contract's not being renewed, and a press release goes out. Um, Lloyd Robertson and and uh, Peter Mansbridge at CBC when they announced they were leaving it was like a one-year victory lap they had where they were you know <laughs> feted and celebrated and she's just simply shown the door yeah and i think for me that was the most shocking part the one thing i do find though that i've been following since this story broke is like you said you're seeing a lot of women especially who work in the world of tv and journalism talk a little bit about the expectations that are placed in women and media how they're not allowed to age something that came out actually it seems that there was apparently a conversation about the fact that lisa laflamme was going gray some apparently executive apparently made some comments about that so to me i think it's really concerning to see that you know there are certain expectations that are placed on women and men and they're so different yeah this is this is where it really is a glaring issue um she's a very busy person is she supposed to be going to the hairstylist every two weeks to, to dye her hair for the the benefit of tv viewers 
when um, male anchors don't have that expectation imposed on them. Um, so, so, and during the pandemic, especially when we were not supposed to be getting our hair cut and going to hair salons and things like that. Um, so, so her hair went gray at that time. Um, at the same time, it's, uh, I think CBC has engaged in some of these types of practices, not, uh, so openly as what we've seen on CTV, but what happens on CBC is, is, is female anchors and newscasters age, they get transferred to radio. Um, and there's been quite a few where that has happened. Um, but there isn't all the controversy that happens. The company said, uh, it just is, oh, somebody's decided they've gone to host a show on, on radio rather than, uh, anchoring a news or newscast or reporting on a newscast. So uh, I do think this is a pervasive problem, and it goes beyond Lisa LaFlamme. And I think, um, you know, viewers can vote with their you know, remote control if they don't like it. The problem is uh, some of us are habitual news viewers, and we forage through the stations looking for whatever we can find that we haven't seen before. So it could be that CTV is banking on this. The other thing CTV has done is they announced her replacement, Omar Sachedina, who's a well-respected uh, broadcaster and journalist. But they did it on the same day that uh, they announced Lisa LaFlamme was gone. So he's been the recipient of a, a backlash. And he's 39. He's male. Uh, he's about to turn 40. He takes the position on September 5th interesting thing about Omar Sajidina is he's from the Vancouver area, went to Port Moody Secondary from an Ismaili family. He was born in Vancouver. So he, he actually has uh, fairly deep Vancouver roots, which set him apart from many of the national anchors. Um, some of them have uh, worked in Vancouver. Ian Hanuman Singh is based in Vancouver. Um, Adrian Arsenault had a stint in Vancouver in the late 80s. Uh, Donna Friesen was, was here for a little while. Um, he was on Global. But uh, by and large, um, and Andrew Chang, he was out here too for, for about two years. But by and large, um, there's a Ontario-centric uh, viewpoint coming from the national media. So to see someone like Omar Sajidina raised on the West Coast, moving into this position, I think, is encouraging, but it's unfortunate that it happened under these circumstances. Yeah, exactly. I really felt firm because I thought the timing of it all, I was very surprised. And then I think we heard, I think just recently, I think hours ago, the CTV executive was like, maybe the timing wasn't the best to announce Omar, you know, taking on this position. But, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, think. <laughs> what was the logic behind that one? I won't understand. <laughs> Well, I think they're in damage control because the the problem that they have is what, and this is where these major broadcasting companies are owned by other companies that have are in the cell phone business, and and that business is probably more lucrative than their TV business and their TV news business. The danger is to a whole bunch of people who are upset about what. Um, CTV did 
to Lisa Laflamme decide they want to switch their their uh, cell phones over to Rogers from Bell, and and that's something that they have to manage because Bell is not only you know deeply involved in CTD, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps is another Bell entity. But the other thing about CTV, which has been quite interesting, is how it has, um, I think, uh, probably been more proactive than, than other uh, newscasts in terms of trying to reach out to people of South Asian ancestry. And they have quite a large kind of group of broadcasters in high-profile positions, like Morella Fernandez, for instance, John Benavelli Rao, um, Akshay Tandon, um, now Omar Sachedina's moved to this position, um, and, and, and others. So it's uh, Molly Thomas is another, and, and so the, it almost seems like um, Bell and CTV are aware of the growing South Asian community and its influence in Canada and having a newscast that uh, reflects that. But the, the flip side is when they kind of can Lisa LaFlamme in the way that they did, it, it kind of unravels some of the good work they're doing in those areas. Interesting observation there, Charlie. Well, I definitely want to get more updates on this, and I think there is going to be much more reaction to it. I still can't get over Charlie's comment that uh, after, you know, a female uh, reporter on television starts turning gray, she's relegated to the radio that says <laughs> I something. I'm Actually, still reeling over that. a better medium than TV. Uh, there's, there's no filters, and uh, having worked in TV and radio, I prefer radio. We're <laughs> <laughs> team radio here too, Charlie. We love it. <laughs> um, okay, next up, there's a very interesting piece by Martin Brown, Baldry versus Apudurai. He's baffled by her aggressively progressive NDP leadership campaign. Can you tell us a bit about this piece? Yeah, I think what happened was Martin Brown, who actually used to work for Gordon Campbell in a very senior position um, as his chief of staff. But I think uh, Keith Baldry was his coverage of Abdurai was along the lines of how dare she, you know, come out and uh, run against the party in terms of seeking the leadership of the party by supporting uh, public sector workers and and her suggesting that her candidacy was actually a gift to David Eby because he can show that he's a centrist where power lies. The problem, what Martin Brown had with this was what Angeli Apadura is trying to do is is bring her party back to its roots and its origins, which was as a party on the side of workers and a party that concerned is concerned about environmental issues. And she feels that it's strayed too far to the center, and that this is not unusual in BC history or in Canadian history or in the U.S. for candidates to run against their parties. And we saw it with Bernie Sanders um, basically running against the Democratic establishment and Hillary Clinton for and Joe Biden for the nomination for president. Um, we saw it with Glenn Clark in 1996 running basically somewhat against Mike Harcourt's more centrist leadership uh, when he won the NDP. Uh, leadership race 
And we've also seen it, uh, you know, right now in the conservative leadership race federally, there's a wide range of, of views, everything from Jean Charest over to Poiliev, and, and that this is what leadership races are about. So I think uh, Martin Brown was kind of saying, like, why do we have to just simply agree all the time on everything? And particularly if um, her job, uh, is to motivate people to join the NDP or renew their lapsed memberships before September 4th so they can vote for her if they don't like the direction the party's going. Yeah, it's certainly interesting, you know, kind of what she's bringing to the table and sort of the topics and issues that are being raised. So I did find this piece actually very fascinating. Now, finally, Charlie, you did go and see the film Lal Singh Chadda. What is your review of this film? Okay, I'll start with Karina Kapoor, even though everyone's talking about Amar Khan. Uh, Karina Kapoor was masterful, as usual, um, very natural, uh, as, as Lal's love interest in the film. And uh, just, uh, you know, somebody with that much experience who can act so naturally. I thought the story was well told. It had a lot of pace. And uh, the cinematography was great. And I, I enjoyed the sick wedding when I saw that, um, which was, I think, presented, it was presented in a very touching way. I thought that Amar Khan's acting, um, I just, I'm not as much of a fan of him. I think if Ranbir had done the role, uh, he would have been more natural and perhaps more compelling. I think, I think Amar Khan, you know, he pulled it off as best he could. But I do find that he's, um, on occasion, uh, like in the running scenes, it's almost like he was mugging for the camera. And he was, he'd have these big bug eyes at times. And I, I kind of thought uh, when Tom Hanks played the role, the Forrest Gump, upon which this movie was based, he was a little more sedate, let's say, than Amar Khan, who was mm-hmm. kind of getting quite wound up in his, in his character. At the same time, I enjoyed the movie. I uh, stayed to the end and, and uh, wanted to see how it ended. So in that regard, I think it's quite successful. But the problem they're having is Lal Singh Chada has not done particularly well at the box office in India, and uh, that's a big-budget movie. Yeah, it's quite surprising. And Charlie, it's not the only film, actually. There's been a trend saying, you know, boycott a certain film for various reasons, and one yeah. being that the screenwriter of this film... No, the wife of Amir Khan had said something at some point about leaving India, so that kind of, you know, raked up a controversy now, and people were like... <coughs> boycott this film and then uh, there was the other film of Akshay Kumar which was boycott that film because the screen uh, writer had said something about the government and you know it's it's just that boycott trend that is going on but how would you rate this film I know I know that you know we all think that Amar Khan is this very intelligent method actor of Bollywood he's very much revered for being you know not the run of the mill kind of actors but you're saying that this film doesn't quite fit that bill he's when it comes to comic timing He's just over the top, you say. A little bit, and uh, you know, I'm uh, maybe different from many because all all the Indian intellectuals I know love Armar Khan. I always say because he's he's the respectable Bollywood, you know, <laughs> cerebral man. Yeah, he's done some great films. Films, yeah, that, that try to change society. 
and and there's obviously a lot of truth to that. I just find as an actor, like I I was watching, um, there was Earth was on TV um, right. this week, and mm-hmm. I I was watching him in Earth when he was a younger man. Yeah, and I just don't find he has quite the same compelling screen presence of uh, some of let's just say the other cons to start with, but um, but other actors as well. Like he's obviously he's, he's very good at what he does, and he's uh, you know a smart man. And and I think your point too about the backlash of uh, this film was really did have a message pro-secularism message and could be perceived as being kind of a response on a subtle level to Hindutva. So, so there's all of that package that comes with it and then the, and then the, the backlash that, that uh, occurs in India when, when this happens. But at the same time, um, I just find uh, the... I watch Karina on screen, and I go, "There's a there's someone who is almost does it in an effortless way," mm-hmm. and I don't find that Amir Khan is quite as effortless with his acting. Maybe I should put it that way. Yeah, I mean, uh, there have been comparisons to his role in PK, and you know his comic timing in terms of being just being over to, over the top for this one. But I must give credit to Amir Khan for one is that he always selects films and scripts which, you know. Uh, have a kind of a value, social value, Make or rather, yeah, they're not really he's not frivolous. Yeah, he's not an Akshay Kumar, and he he has acted with Karina Kapoor, who's uh, probably around ten to fifteen years his junior. But I mean, we have the likes of Akshay Kumar and Salman Khan, who act with people who are twenty, twenty-two, twenty-five years yeah. younger than them. <laughs> so I would give credit to Amr Khan for just being, you know, true to what he believes in, and uh, as for his acting abilities, I. Think think he can you know kind of review that yeah <laughs> because i, I don't think harsh. there would be a comparison to tom hanks uh, you know absolutely flawless acting in forrest gump yeah that's true okay charlie thank you so much we really appreciate it you have a wonderful weekend okay my pleasure